0: This is Robbie, I'm on. I'm on. Is that Brent? Somebody else. Brent. Ah, okay. I didn't recognize your face. Actually I'm not on the I mean you might be on the conference, I'm just on for a voice, so Well then you couldn't
1: have recognized my face at all.
0: That was it, yeah. Yes. Uh, So, how are you today?
1: Well, pretty good. Plugging along. Um, Just getting going, trying to figure out what I need to do. I'm making... uh,
0: Figure out. So, you're you're in psychology. Um, I, I have this sense, just as you said that, that there are calling words that are trigger words for you when you're in conversation with somebody about something to uh, probe into a little deeper. Is there a name for that kind of uh, phenomenon? Do you know what I'm
1: describing? Well, I think you just call them trigger words, I guess. I I have a tendency to... uh, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of going through a. I don't know that I call it an anti-psychology stage of my life, but. All right. Well. An anti-primacy just... stage where everything is reduced to a psychological, yeah. and I struggle with that because I think we need to be reducing things to spiritual. So when yeah. we when we, um, and trigger is uh, is a is a uh, trigger triggers me (laughs) right yeah okay well i saw for me um
0: the phrase figure out has become something that i'm very conscious of in myself when i use that phrase it's an indication that i'm looking to my reasoning uh rather than the the holy spirit's guidance to understand what's going on in a way that, for me, I need to step away from. Uh, what, what I, at the same time, I need to be cautious of is that not everybody uses it that way, but for me, it's very much uh, that. So, so I'm yeah. curious, for you, is, uh, is, is figuring out uh, a process that generally is consciously reliant on, is that shorthand for seeking the Lord's guidance or is it shorthand for looking at all the circumstances and considering, you know, the, uh, going through a mental process yeah. or is it tied to either one?
1: Good questions, Could be depending on the time and the frame. Ernie, I just got a phone call, from Ernie inviting me to the Uber conference.
2: Yeah, but, I'm here.
1: Uh, oh, but I don't know where you. you guys went. I guess we're, just we're here all, on the audio. I guess we're all on audio. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean you can do the video thing, but I prefer the audio, especially because I haven't gotten dressed or anything this morning, so I'm still finishing I'm breakfast. But I'm glad you're here. Well, I I on the other hand got up,
1: got dressed, cleaned up the kitchen, made my breakfast, uh, cleaned out the dishwasher, fed the dog, walked the dog, and practiced my piano. Wow.
0: So well, why don't you uh, pour some guilt on us or something, or try? I know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was I was up from three to six thirty and said, "I oh, man, I need to get a nap in here before we start." So
3: wow, I'm not that's, here. That's,
0: You could nap. Yes. Yeah.
2: Are you was after, after? That was
0: after washing the car. and noise so
2: yeah. <laughs> Sending a small African village from invasion by army ants. yeah. <clears throat> Uh, um,
1: Well, I'm trying to make, uh, yesterday I made five five, uh, vegetarian crockpot meals to take up to my son for when the baby comes. And today I want to make nine uh, gluten-free. The problem is, it's interesting, I note that they feed five or six and there's only two and a half of them up there. So if I bring up, you know, Almost a fifteen meals times five. That's actually seventy five meals. <laughs> that's crazy. Anyway,
2: Brad, has anyone ever told you you're an overachiever?
1: I I go in uh, spurts, and and Ernie, the same thing could be said about you.
2: <laughs> I've been told that. The weird thing is, I feel lazy because I only do. You know, the you know, I take long naps all the time. I work like three hours a day at my day job, and I. Uh, it's really too. interesting. I think, you know, I think the thing that the reason I think that I seem to get a lot done is yeah. that I um, I'm there, there's a there's a wonderful phrase from a guy named Larry Wall about the three virtues of the programmer which are laziness, hubris, and impatience. <laughs> and so I, I wait to do something until I really feel like I have to do it, and then I get over it with as quickly as possible. And so I think a lot of people um, uh, tend to, um, like, procrastinate to avoid doing stuff, uh, whereas I, like, will just, like, completely ignore it. Until I feel like I have time to do it, and then I'm doing something else that I'd rather do instead. So it's, it's a weird sort of my 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 vices save me from my virtues.
1: Yeah. Well, I if you ask me what I'm trying to work on all the time, you'd be you'd be you'd say, "Man, you got to cut some of that crap out of your life because it's driving you to despair potentially." And yet, <laughs> uh, and yet, I go, but. You know, how do you fit that time in? I said, well, there's lots of times I sit down on my recliner and <clears throat> watch a, a one part of Unsolved Crimes on Netflix and then get up and go out and sit outside and have a cup of coffee and and watch the day go by, you know? It's like, I don't know. So anyway.
2: Yeah, it's funny to mention that. I, I was talking to Joanna, I think, that uh, one of the virtues of this project is I think i finally finally taken on a problem big enough that it is larger than my own ego and there's no possible way I can accomplish it. And that is a great gift from God to find something big enough that it is completely impossible. Whereas yeah. it's barely possible but I would burn myself out trying to do it.
0: That's have a exactly how
1: I feel about my spirituality assessment process. That's-
3: <laughs>
1: it's so much bigger than me it requires such a better uh, uh it requires so many more skill sets than i have and i go why god am i trying to think that i could possibly speak into this and yet i keep <laughs> plugging away yeah.
2: All right. ernie do you um, have do
1: you ernie
0: do you have a statement of the problem you said was bigger than yourself a summary uh, I, i'd love to just hear what the problem is that we're working on
2: um, I've said it in many different ways. Uh, I'm going to be honest about it, it's bringing the millennium. <laughs> so and uh, I, uh, I had this uh, thought a while ago, I, I could define that more precisely if that would help because that was how I wrap it. So this was during the okay. California drought and when it felt like this could be the end of the world. There is no logical reason why this drought couldn't last long enough to destroy the entire state of California. It is physically possible. We've already had three years of no rain. We could have three more. And that would be the end of California as we know it. And it's like, okay, God, um, please don't. And I pledge myself to accomplish your purposes and I pledge my family uh, to your mercy. And I thought about that and I said, you know, what if this was the millennium? How would we know? And I said, well, you know, I have an uncle who thinks the millennium would be uh, perfect authoritarian control where no one would ever do anything wrong and God's secret police would just watch over us and make sure we all behave. And I said, you know, that doesn't match my idea of what God wants.
1: Sounds like the Chinese Communist Party.
2: Yeah. It's like, because the point of us is to do right, right? It's to get people to do the right thing, isn't it? And it's like, well, if he wanted that, he could have had that at the beginning, so maybe he wants something different. I said, okay, well, let's assume, for the purposes of argument, that Jesus comes back in a physical body and has an office in Jerusalem. (laughs) So if that's the case, then... You know, he has 24 hours in a day, and he still needs to eat and sleep and like hang out, with, you know, and do things like he did when he was on Earth. So that means he can't be making all decisions all the time, which means he has to have some sort of governmental apparatus that he issues edicts through and has sessions with and personal sessions with and people work through some sort of hierarchy or whatever. Let's just, you know, just work the thought expert. I don't think this is necessarily actually going to be the case, but it's fun to think about. And I said, okay, what would actually be different? Because you would still have imperfect people implementing what they thought Jesus said, not all of whom have had a direct personal encounter with Jesus. I said, well, what would be the advantage of that? I said, well, I think there's only two things that we get from that that we don't have now. One is that when Jesus speaks, it would be absolutely clear that it was Jesus speaking. That would be good. And the second thing is you would know who was genuinely trying to do that uh, up to a certain point. And I said, you know, Maybe that's all we need to have a millennium. We need a way to tell whether it's really Jesus that is speaking. And we need to know who's on the same side. And if we knew just those two things, we would have most of the benefits of the millennium. Uh, so that was kind of one way of framing it. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do here, is trying to create a context where, like, we say, yeah, that's really Jesus speaking. And, like, yeah, these people are with me and trying to figure this out and do it. And um, so that is a very crazy, uh, one of the probably more, on my scale of zero to 10, that's probably eight on my crazy scale of of how to frame the problem I'm trying to solve. So it's up there, but not way up there. Um, But you asked the question, so I felt you deserved an answer.
0: (laughs) Sure, thank you.
2: Um, should, actually, this is a good time to, to stop and open in prayer. Robbie, would you do that?
0: God. Jesus, we've uh, talked about you and what it might look like to be with you in the millennium, to hear your voice clearly and to know who's on the same side. And, um, we suffer ourselves uh, willingly in your day of uh, battle. We w- uh, want to be fully at rest relaxing into you abiding in you um, and hearing your voice uh, knowing that it's you that's speaking so that whether it's uh, an obvious thing you ask us to do or something that seems as crazy as stepping out of the boat that uh, we can uh, overcome our internal barriers and just respond with full joyful obedience to uh, anything you ask us to do and uh, that we at least I might give up trying to control the world that I'm in contact with knowing that you have uh, you're already doing a far better job and that um, I can rest in you as you cause all things to work together for good that I can trust you to guide me into the good works you've prepared in advance for me to do. So we invite you to speak to us and lead us and guide us in uh, creating a, a structure, a pattern that can help others to hear your voice and follow you and draw closer to you. And uh, uh, just guide us now in this little slice of time we have to do that, uh, to hear you and to uh, uh, record it in a way that others can be blessed by and learn from. And that will serve you at your kingdom in drawing us all integrate her intimacy with you, all the peoples of there in Jesus'
2: name, amen. Thank you. Still with me there, Brent? I am here. Okay, every now and then, words come out, and I say, oh my gosh, did I just say that? Is everyone going to, like, freak out and walk away? And so no one does, and so thank you for sticking around. Um, I was, with your permission, I would like to call it in that I think last week was good enough and that like, I'm not horribly embarrassed by any part of it, unlike the previous three. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, it's not perfect, but if we can get people to that level of experience on a re- uh, repeatable basis, I would be okay with that. How are you guys feeling?
1: That's very interesting because I was going to preface my comments to today to what do you think is going on? And from which is a review of a slightly different perspective. And I think one of the things that, uh, that happened, um, yes, uh, this week, uh, in, in my session that was, was confirmed, I, I don't know, you know, how the Holy Spirit works. He just, you know, sometimes we need to be the, the way we hear the Holy Spirit is when we are listening to other people pray for us. And I, 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 I kind of prayed as I was praying, I just felt led to pray for uh for eric that that he'd be surprised by the opportunities to connect with his his kids and then we got the the text later that that he that he he heard that maybe in a way that other people didn't because it was his kids I was praying about, but something happened, and he had he had two uh, voice calls from his kids. Something that doesn't happen very much, and you know, and, and for me, you know, when we say what are we, what progress are we making? What, are we doing anything that's worthwhile here? And I think that that um, that, and maybe this is this would happen in a traditional group, but I don't know. There's such a this is kind of a high intensity group uh, process, um, <laughs> and, and and we. We energize each other, and and um, we encourage each other to do good things for God. And you know, for me, I would say one of the things that's happening is that people are being encouraged by people who were strangers just a few days ago to go and do simple acts of of kindness, simple acts of compassion, simple acts of caring, and simple acts of evangelism, and and all of that, and. I mean, I think that's awesome. I mean, I was going to say that. In and of itself, that's good stuff. But uh, you know, and then I was trying to say, well, what does it do? What is it doing in my life? You know, and well, you know, it's you guys have become a daily part of my life. You know, I, I I I read. I don't comment very much at all on the comments, but I read, and that kind of stimulates me too. So, I mean, I'm being drawn into this vortex of of spiritual awareness that i don't typically uh that i'm not typically able to maintain throughout the day so which i think is good so anyway
2: thank you i love that image of the vortex um and i appreciate that and i think that uh, also it struck me that you know i think that for eric the thing that was so beautiful is that he's got all this ministry and all these other people and all these projects they asked prayer for the fact that this is a place where he can pray about his relationship with his kids is just so precious.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, I, think there's, there, I think there is probably, I would be willing to wager that 10% of the missionaries in the field, if they saw that moment, would just burst into cheers. Because it speaks to a thing in their heart that they don't get to speak about. Yeah. You know, so you know, someday they, maybe they will. All right, Robbie, what are you thinking and feeling?
0: uh well I'm still processing a lot of things we uh, just said you uh, your phrase it's good enough is something that I've never thought in my life as far as I can
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: a bit of an exaggeration but uh you know in the strength finder's framework they can, I'm classified as a maximizer that is if I see value in something I just keep polishing it until it shines and uh That's carried me a long way in certain things I do, but it's also an obsession that uh, is counterproductive and destructive in certain contexts. So, um, and then I think as as I'm processing that the uh, the as as, uh, for me in this um, the combination of the material we're studying and the process we're going through that is increasingly leaving open-ended questions rather than getting to satisfying intellectual answers um, has, for me, brought a pretty profound shift in my perception of uh, the world around me and how I'm relating to my world and trusting God and resting in Him. um, So those are all pieces. I think uh, it, it it seems to me that a little bit more work to re-merge the step I took toward trying to do some independent things. And um, I don't know, you and I haven't talked about Friday morning, if there was anything from there that uh, you want to incorporate back into what you're doing. Um, but I, I do feel like we're, you know, as as you described Thursday evening, I'd say something similar with Friday morning. If we get people to that level of experience, that's <clears throat> that's powerful. I don't know if I say good enough because um, I felt like the last few overlapped and we still went beyond time. So the the two, the one practical thing that's in my mind is that. When you've got more than, uh, say, eight, I think, uh, present, uh, maybe even six, I would recommend um, breaking into two smaller groups for a significant portion uh, on a trial basis to see if simultaneous processing, like the computers do, um, would carry it through and within the time frame that we're aiming for. And that would be scalable, because you could do groups of six out of 1,000 people, or whatever. Um, anyway, that's my rambling in response to your question.
3: Yeah, no, let me, I
2: let me make a question. Oh, Go sorry, ahead. Sorry, Brent. Okay, no. I was going to say, let me actually clarify uh, what I was going to say. I think the user experience was good enough. But I would say that the technique is not yet good enough to scale. And okay. so that's what I wanted to kind of call and say. Okay, like that was. It's not like I'd be content to stay there, but if it did stay yeah. there, I would be okay with it. Uh,
3: sure. So
2: I feel like we were in the cycle where we were alternating and wearing Brent and Janet and me and you lead all the time. Uh, so yep. We wanted to kind of get to the place where we felt like, okay, I want to, I want to do over from the first time. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm going to call. I think we've done enough. So what I want to focus on for the last two sessions is precisely the two points you made. One is how do we. Uh, improve the technique so we can scale better and secondly how do we merge the two streams mm-hmm. and yes. uh, the um, uh, let me tell you my philosophy on this uh, there were two very reasonable uh, suggestions made at the end of Thursday night one was that you know most people try to limit groups to the size of six because that's where uh, you're able to kind of have everyone sharing and then Joanna sure. saying that you know it'd be easier if it was like 15 minutes longer and it was both very reasonable suggestions. And I felt like God saying, but your job already is to do the unreasonable thing." There's lots of people willing to do the reasonable things. So I said, what's right. the most unreasonable thing? It's like, okay, how would I do this if I had a million people? And I had only 90 minutes. Uh, because that's what we think in Silicon Valley, right? And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, what I would want is to have a, a rigid time frame. We have 30 minutes for sharing testimonies at the beginning. And we have thirty minutes for going through scripture, and then the that way we have thirty minutes for the one on one time and community and everything else. so how would that work so um that's kind of the design exercise I want to start from this time one and one thing I thought was that well, in all honesty, not everyone has to share not everyone right. sees Jesus show up, and it's like. Um, the, 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 the one-on-one time where you' are breaking the pair, that's where you get to be heard, and we make right. sure you are heard in minister too, and, and, right. and you get to minister. but, but that, that's your time for everyone to be followed. The rest of the time, it's for the group as a whole to be challenged and benefit. So if you go from uh-huh. that mindset, then I say, okay, for the first part OK, we tell people ahead time, we want to find testimonies of how Jesus showed up. Let us know if it happens during the week and you can say it in one sentence like Eric did, that's awesome. If there's something you'd like to share a later, you know, let us know. And then, you know, in our case, it's pretty informal, but one could imagine this being a highly curated thing, like share your story and we pick the best ones that fit into the 30 minute time slot and let them share. Um, mm-hmm. and so we say, okay, we've got 30 minutes. Uh, who's really, who's most eager and those who volunteer earliest go first, you know, that's the simplest algorithm. And right. you can tune that, but that feels like it keeps us on track and trying to see the people who have the most passion and unction around the question that's been asked. And uh-huh. so that's how we would solve the, the first half of it. And the second half, uh, the way we did it on Thursday night, where just one person shared, that scales reasonably well. Everyone's listening. Everyone's asking the questions. And someone's picked more or less at random who gets to share their story. And, right. you know, I have to say, um, I had a thought about Friday morning, which I'll get back to after I kind of go over this piece. Sure. Um, and, and then the third part, I felt like that yes. more or less worked pretty well, except as you noticed on, on Friday and I was starting to feel on Thursday, like we've always just prayed for each other. And we've had communion and everything else feels like anti-climax. So like, a lot of people repeated uh-huh. their prayer requests at the end. And it's like, you're like oh, I'm, I'm, it, it killed me because like Eric asked me to pray for him publicly and having everyone share that and hear that everyone, that was just so cool, right? But it's like, yeah. ugh, it, it just doesn't scale. Um, and so yeah. and I was thinking what does scale because I've been obsessed about the DBS question of mission and wanted to keep that in there, but it just doesn't seem to work. And I said like, what, what could I actually do that would make sense? And I said, well, I'm stuck on the word M. So I think what about a memento or a mnemonic and, and just ask people to go around and say, what is one word or phrase that captures what Jesus did in you today, and it's just a short, and it's just as a reminder. Because then, if we have that little mnemonic reminder, maybe then during the week we can be thinking about that almost like a mantra uh, and a reminder. Like I remember on Friday morning, Phil. I remember the Friday morning oh, Friday session better in some ways than the Thursday ones, perhaps because I'm just observing. How uh, Friday mm-hmm. says it takes a miracle for people to repent and want to follow Jesus
3: after Peter in the boat.
2: And that just resonated in my head all week. Every time I'm thinking, okay, this person is not following Jesus. What miracle do they need to see so that they realize that they are a sinner and that they need, that they don't deserve Jesus and yet they need Jesus. And like, that's what I was thinking of is that rather than people share a mission or a task or an assignment, just ask them to share like a quick word or phrase of what it is that uh, they did and I think that having gone through that experience, when we'll we hear people saying that, we will understand what it means to them, and vice versa. So that's kind of the the technical changes I wanted to experiment with for this week.
1: Ernie, yeah. I was thinking when you were trying to say mnemonic or memento, mem- 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 I keep thinking mento. Mm-hmm. And Then I think of putting Mentos in soda, and then I think of a recipe <laughs> you know but 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 i was also thinking of the word memory and i would say what what do you want to remember about what's happened to you right now throughout the rest of this memorial memorial uh, that that you can recall that can uh stimulate you to um keeping on or something like that i don't know i mean i i come back to the i come back to the uh, the uh, the DMM stuff about, you know, the, the final question is, what is, you know, what is God telling you to do? Can, you know, can you do that or do that or whatever? You know, the idea of this, this has to make a difference. I'm always asking people, what did we do here that you can apply right now, maybe this afternoon in your life with somebody else? And, you know, most of the time, People don't think about things, but they, but they start, when you keep pressing it, they start thinking about things. Well, I could pray for so-and-so. Yes, exactly. Well, I could do this. Yes, exactly. You know, and, and um, uh, you know, I mean, after Thursday, I created a, uh, you know, I said, I, I need to reach out positively to all the people in my Sunday school class who have left and, and share the love and encourage them. And so I created a, a little video, a bomb bomb video, and I sent it out to all 115 people. And I said, Hey, you know, God's going to show up, you know, in the middle of all of this, Jesus will show up. don't worry. And, and I'm encouraging you and, and it, bloom or your planet and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I've been getting emails back, you know, I asked them for a couple of things, but then also get emails back of, thank you. I appreciate this and, and stuff. So, I mean, what stimulates us out of what we just what we do each week to continue doing the things that are more in line of following Jesus fully? And so I, I think your your uh, insistence that we we keep uh, mild we keep being mildly dissatisfied with our good progress. Yeah,
2: it's interesting. I, I love the phrase memorial. I think I'm going to go with that one. And I realized there's two different kinds of, of, of takeaways. And I realized that you need to honor them both equally. One is where people have a task. Like you said, like, I really feel like I need to remember to do this thing. And I think that's really good. And if you have that, that is awesome, because if you have something really concrete you can do and it's done, you come back and report on it, right? Uh, but what's interesting to me is there's a second class, which is, let's call it a trigger. And, and Janet always says this, and I've always been kind of dissatisfied, and I need to repent of that, because it's like, no, there's this thing that God has put on my heart, and I want to just keep it in mind so that I'm always looking, is now the time for me to do this? Like, I want to share a miracle with somebody this week, or, or, or forget, forget this week. I want to remember that God did this in me. Like, for me, it was, uh, see. I need to see the face of Jesus transfigured. Because if I do that, everything else is a lot easier. And if I'm not seeing Jesus, then not much else matters. And so that's the the trigger that I have in me. And then I had a phone call with a friend of mine uh, who was just a godsend to me. Uh, He went through what I'm going through, but far, far worse. And I just saw the face of God in him. And he's like at the bottom of the barrel. He's like three weeks from unemployment and he got almost nothing. But I felt like I'm meeting one of these saints on a holy mountain that's given up everything to follow Jesus. Um, and it, it, I saw the face of Jesus in him, and like that was a trigger that I need to keep holding on this week. Is where am I seeing the face of Jesus? So I think that both tasks and triggers are appropriate memorials, um, and building on that.
3: That's good. I,
1: I like your use of trigger in that context. Robbie and I were talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robbie and I were talking about before you joined us about triggering. So you have, you have redeemed yeah. the word trigger for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, a, um, a handler is the uh, technical term. Uh, speaking of triggers, though, I have to say the one thing the feedback I had on Friday morning—that's when I just want to kind of wrestled through with you guys. Like, overall, I thought you know, Janet went off script, uh, uh, and you know, did you guys did a little you know more, had everyone share, which in some ways I thought was really good. But I just got to share what terrified me about that. Is that uh, people, several people said, wow, the insights here are so good. I want to write those down. Mm. And like, mm. that terrifies me. Because for, uh, the, the verse that I was looking at this morning in a slightly different context, or maybe though it was this context, was I think Corinthians 420 or something like that, where Paul says, I did not come to you with persuasive words of wisdom. And when we studied that during the Great Reset a few months ago,
0: Who is you, Ernie? Ernie. Hmm. Sounds like we lost him. Well the recording is probably still recording. Um
3: I uh
1: here he is.
3: Okay.
1: Ernie, you
0: there? He's maybe reconnecting the sound. We have yet. Hello.
2: Can you hear me? Testing one. Now three. we
0: can. Now we can. Yeah. So weird.
2: Yeah. I can hear you guys just fine, but you could not hear me. Now I know how Jesus oh. feels. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. The. <laughs> the uh, where did I lose you? I was talking about uh, Paul's first yeah. right. of words of wisdom.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. First Corinthians four twenty, and like. I spent my entire Christian life thinking that my whole, the whole point of being a Christian was to have persuasive words of wisdom. And every institution I've been a part of places a really high premium on that. And I have come to believe that if Paul was right, and I'm kind of, I think the weighted the evidence is in his favor, then that's an idol that, we have to be really careful of getting sucked into. And I don't think we did very much. And I think Janet herself will say, look, I don't wanna be giving you the answers. But I, I worry uh, uh, that if we keep too much room for people to share their own insights, uh, even as helpful, because, precisely because it is so helpful, it obscures the discipline of seeing answers from Jesus. Uh, and, and I don't think that was all that happened and there were some really good things that happened. But I I live in, in mortal terror of that happening. So I just wanted to share that trigger with you and kind of see how you guys respond to that.
1: Well, I think it gets back to what is the what is the primary purpose of our getting together? Is it to experience Jesus or is it to help each other? And I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but too often, you know, if if people say, "Well, I I don't know how I would have gone gotten through the last six months without all of you guys helping me and giving me ideas," and I would think, "Wait a minute, uh, was that what we were supposed to do?" I I I wanted you to to start that by saying, "You guys helped me to get close to Jesus, and I really heard Him in ways that I hadn't heard before." And for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm real, I'm real hyper. Just ask my family. I'm very hyper about which words to use and it drives them nuts, but words are important. They convey uh, a a hierarchy. You know, that's, that's why, uh, you know, even using the word trigger, I say, well, you know, is that, is that word would pulling a switch or turning a switch or, making it, you know, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I'm always thinking about these kinds of things. So, you know, my, uh, on the one hand I would be, I would say if we turned into a therapy, you know, a peer therapy group, that could still be very helpful for people. <clears throat> but if it doesn't, at the end of the day, if it doesn't turn them back to Jesus and what he wants out of us, then I, I get a little bit, uh, uh, squeamish and 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 you know that's kind of where i've been growing in my life as i get older it's but you know i've been a therapist for 40 years and and i value that I and mean, it's wonderful stuff but i i wonder if we've created too much of a good thing there it, it, is can we uh soothe ourselves with with words that don't Bring us closer to Jesus. I don't don't know if I'm making sense to you guys, but
0: that's... No,
2: you're you're speaking my language, brother. You're speaking my language. Preach it.
0: Yeah, and what you you said a moment ago, I was trying to capture that thought because whether Ernie wants to use it with this group, it's one way I'd like to describe the group, not helping each other, but bringing each other closer to Jesus where we discover more of his help uh, if you have a way that, you know, as you said, you like to get the precise words, I'd love uh, maybe through the text, you could text uh, me or, or me with Ernie here or Janet, uh, how you would state that, you know, in, uh, in a refined way. But I'd love to have that. I,
1: I often yeah. <laughs> try and uh, I often try and use myself as a metaphor, as a narrative and saying, you know, I, I I really like if I was leading that, and I was feeling like Ernie was feeling, I might say something like, "You know, this is really, man. I I don't know. I feel so good about us each offering our experience to each other, and and I think I know I have. I've learned a tremendous amount, but I have to share with you. I feel I feel a tiny bit of of discomfort when when I think about." Going back to our primary purpose, and that is how do we get closer to Jesus? And sometimes I think our offering our experience to each other is, uh, in the can take precedence over asking Jesus what his offerings are to us and our burden sharing. Uh, sometimes I know we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, but. I know that Jesus carries the biggest burden of all. And I, you know, and so I'm wondering, did any of you else think about that? I mean, could there be a different way we might say that? So then I've turned it in a little bit of a educational kind of thing just by reflecting back my heart. Because, you know, because that's like, you know, I I started out and I was so excited that we had gotten through so much by the first 45 minutes. And then I was crestfallen at 90 minutes when it seemed like we had gotten, gotten stuck because I couldn't figure out the mission page, how to make sure that stayed in people's minds. We've, we, we derailed on those. How do you want to adjust me this week? How, who are you assigning me to bless this week? What grace do you want me to share? And I wrote, these are too complicated to just, put. <laughs> you know, we should have the screen up and I should have said something, but I kind of at the same time wanted to see how it went, but you know, uh, there has to, I think that anytime, uh, you know, a group is very malleable and, and it doesn't, it, you know, we, we may want to sit back and let Jesus show up. Ernie, you said a last week, I think you said in the best world or something I heard in the best, uh, I wouldn't have to say anything and it would just go. That would be awesome. But I think also, we have to recognize that we do have to lead it if we're sensing that we're somewhat responsible. And I feel that we're responsible to pull it from where it is. I think if, if we just stayed where we are right now, at the end of the time, everybody would say, wow, that was profound. I've never had as great a Lenten experience. This was wonderful. I love you guys. Can we keep going? And, and we would be back saying, well, let's review what our, what our major purposes were. Oh, well, well, I don't know, and I don't care. Well, okay, but because uh, it was so good. But that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this because we want to say, can we figure out a way to do something different? And and so that's, you know, that's why we need an engineer on this. That's why we need a a hyper uh, marketer, and that's why we need a weird psychologist because <laughs> the three stooges somehow are going to try and. <laughs> No.
2: That's well, really good, we, yeah. it
1: also
0: it also needs to be something that uh, somebody else can take and do without us standing there prodding them or coaching them. Yeah. Uh, how do uh, how do we resist the gravity of the cultural forces? Um, can can we develop something that's profound enough that it can stay free from gravity, or is it uh, going to collapse? Uh, when it gets away from the three of us
1: yeah the genius of the classic four cpm questions is that you hear them a couple times and then you can remember them yep and yeah you know that's that's the critical factor i mean give me 10 minutes with somebody and i can teach them how to do that and and i can bet you they're going to get it pretty close to being right after a couple of times but you know right now i don't think we're we're at that point but it's important that we're trying
2: right and i think that is the challenge for the next two two last two sessions the next two sessions which are the the next two topical sessions and then we have the review session on uh, the seventh week so a couple of things one thing i realized that i um I'm glad you brought this up because i totally forgot to mention it is i realized that um i it makes sense to decouple the host from the starter after the first session and the starter's job is to lead the group, but the host's job is to keep it on track. Mm. I think having that sort of a QA role, so that the host actually should be the timekeeper, because like I'm the one who invited people here. I promise them a certain time. I need to get them out by a certain time. And the host has to have a dialogue with the starter, of like because I think you know it was entirely appropriate given our format that when Janet said I'm going to take a little more time with this, and Robbie just went with it and supported her because that was what our format was. And I say okay, I want to change that and say. The host job is to start on time and end on time or decide like, hey, we need to take a little longer. That's fine, but that's the host's job. That's not the starter's job. And the host job is also there to handle, well, I guess there's a script. The host provides the script and the host's job is, is to monitor and bless deviations from the script. So if something happens and we say, okay, we want to take a little longer here, the host says, yeah, that's okay. Or, you know, let's just wrap it up quickly and try to stay on track. So the host worries about that, and then the spe- the starter can worry about actually interacting with the group. So I think that division of labor is a critical one that I did not see before. Does that make sense? I like
1: it, yeah. Yeah, it so, does. Yeah. I think I think that, uh, yeah, no, I'll stop with, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> OK,
2: good. And so uh, the last thing I wanted to just say is that I keep wondering why Robbie keeps working off his own forked version of the script. And I realized, well, gee, why do I keep working off my one? So I thought, okay, so my discipline for this week is to start from Robbie's version and and make my changes on that and show them to him. and Because right. that will really force me to get into, what we're, oh, oh, that was the last question I wanted to ask. Is you mentioned that everything you either, I want to show what the adjective was or, or noun was, verb was. You said everything that you liked or everything you agreed with, you incorporated into Friday morning. What were the parts you didn't like or disagreed with or whatever the right word is from Thursday night that you didn't want to incorporate?
0: I think it was everything that I didn't uh, disagree with or have something else I wanted to try. Maybe it was uh, everything that I didn't feel a strong desire to try differently I carried over so that it was as close to your script as I could be without abandoning a couple things that I wanted to try. Uh, differently, so what were
2: the things and, uh, uh, yeah i I'll so try to look for them, but I couldn't see what they you what were the things that you wanted to try that you didn't see in my script
0: uh I'd have to actually pull it up uh, so maybe we could talk about something else while I do that quick
2: um, So, do you back. have any closing thoughts or comments you want to share while robbie's uh um piddling around
1: i I think my my interest in in um, particles of success that twinkle in the darkness as we end this would be that people would say, "I've just, I've become familiar with a, a different way of relating with people online." that is more focused in discipleship or something. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I always like to begin with the end in mind. And I think, what what do we want at the end? And the therapeutic model says, well, I just want people to feel better about themselves at the end. And for me, that that is just leave taping holes, you know, at the end of the group, I feel like I've gained insight into myself and how I relate to others. Okay, well, that's, you know, but you know from from this i'd say you know do, will this process bring these people to be able to uh think about doing their own group want to do their own group or ask more questions about how to do their own group and will it transform them inside with regards to their sense of connection to jesus and the leading of the holy spirit on a moment by moment process You know, and and uh, I I I think we're I don't know if that's what you wanted at the beginning, but I mean I I'm I'm always interested in the CPM DMM movement because of how I see that it motivates people towards this discipleship thing, and 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 how the standard therapeutic Bible study. does not encourage that. And then I I don't want to be so anti that therapeutic Bible study that I that I just coined that word, but the idea of uh you know it for me it's I want to feel closer to Jesus so that I can do follow him as he goes around to other people. You know what I mean? Vis-a-vis I want to feel closer to Jesus because it'll help me feel less depressed or less anxious or those are good goals, but if that's all the goals yeah, but, what we're doing, is insulating ourselves,
2: right? And sometimes following Jesus makes you anxious and stressed and depressed, just ask Peter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrified seems to be the most common adjective <laughs> to describe being a disciple of Jesus, uh, and, and so anyway, yeah. So, two points one is that I think we're definitely on the same page of what we want, and that's the phrase of we, we want people to be hungry to grow all closer to Jesus, right? I wanna grow closer to Jesus. I wanna grow the people I love closer to Jesus. Yeah, And I am desperate to do that. I'm willing to endure heartache and anxiety and fear and stress and distress and all these things because of that deep hunger. I don't just wanna feel comfortable or good about myself. I'm willing to feel like a piece of crap next to the light of Jesus, as we will see next week with Peter. Uh, yeah. as he faces that crisis. So uh, the other phrase I wanted to throw on before we go back to Robbie is that uh, this making me feel better about the original phrase co-devotional format. I like that one because it hasn't been used anywhere as far as I can tell. And this idea that we are just having a devotion with Jesus together. And this is something I could do something like this by myself, but it's so much better when I do it with other people uh, because this is how to have uh, collaborative quiet times. Uh, so I'm hoping that that phrase will pick on will will, will uh, resonate with people.
1: I like I like yeah. the collaborative quiet time phrase too.
0: Yeah. In uh massively multiplayer
2: online quiet time.
0: In discipleship, we often urge people to have a quiet time, but we rarely have a quiet time with them, so that they can see and learn through practical, you know, experience. Uh, it's uh, that's a an issue. I also wanted to just bring in quickly, Brent, I don't know if uh, you've ever thought this, but in recent years, I've um, come to believe that although the DBS model just uh, focuses and talks about obedience as the primary outcome, I think what turns it into a movement movement is that in cultures that are not uh, yet influenced by Christianity and Christian expectations and assumptions. That reading the Bible for themselves frees people to discover the God who speaks and to respond to what God Jesus is saying to them. Yeah. Uh, it gives them the freedom, permission to hear Jesus in a way. So yesterday, I, in a separate text thread where Ernie's present but not you, but I, uh, I, I asked some question uh, reflective of thinking I've been having about. Different forms of obedience that are present in scripture, and at the moment I was thinking about two, but that's expanded since then but uh there's heart obedience versus compliance, like when balaam or yeah um balaam um, went at the Lord's direction to go um only to bless you know he was uh, anyway that 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 kind of obedience is different from uh a uh, certain others, but there's also obedience like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exercised, don't bow down to idols, don't worship idols, got them thrown into the fire. Um, That's a general principle kind of obedience, which everybody is responsible to know and follow, which is different from the guidance when Jesus says, uh, throw a step out of the boat, or throw your net on the right side of the boat. There's a A kind of obedience in response to a specific assignment Uh, uh, maybe I think already prefers a different word but that's what comes to mind Mm -hmm. anyway um, I think the the experience that DBS can lead to where Christianity hasn't yet uh, trained people wrongly because I think in Christianity we train people to look for principles and follow principles that make sense and keep us uh, on the same page and not to listen to a God that tells us to do something that everybody else thinks is wacky.
2: Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It's a, it's, there's a, there's, there, right. In my Bible study tradition, the goal is to try to reach a consensus about what God was saying. Yeah. Right. And I think that, that that's an interesting point, is that there is a lowest common denominator aspect of that, where yeah. we would feel threatened if someone hears something different. Whereas here it's like, you know, no, the goal is to actually have a maximum diversity of things we're seeing and hearing and reacting to, to create, to open up this space for people to, uh, you know, be challenged by the scary things of God.
0: So at a very personal level in our household, uh, we have raised our kids questioning everything they said God was telling them to do that didn't make sense to us. And we finally graduated to the place where we just celebrate when our daughter says, yeah, Jesus is telling me to do this. And uh, for the most part, we no longer say, (laughs) well, gee, you know, that just doesn't, uh, you know, and here's scripture and uh, pushing back at every And trusting that Jesus is going to clarify and correct if something's wrong. You know, if if we have some, it's it's no longer a knee-jerk reaction. We may still give cautions, but it's not quite at the same knee-jerk level.
2: Yeah, I I still think one of the best words that we discovered this last year was wonder. Huh, Uh -huh. I wonder why you would say that. I wonder where you saw that. Because like, it is so non-threatening compared to, well, I don't know if you, I think you should do this or you shouldn't, or that doesn't sound right to me. And I I just love that word, wonder. Anyway, did you find your uh, areas of disagreement, uh, Robbie?
0: Well, so, uh, yeah, there was something. I think one was that I really wanted to try to incorporate the reflective listening uh, to say, you know, uh, I heard you. Um, And we somewhat do that when we pray for somebody. But I think you had used in one of our earlier conversations. You would said, I really want to create dialogue between the um, pitcher and the sharer or whatever phrases we were using at the time. And that stuck with me as something I wanted to try that I didn't see in your slide deck, and I don't remember if there was something else but did, that
2: hap- did 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 it actually happen on friday? I was curious uh
0: well did you did uh, you see that dialogue I, bit happening? I did that uh Friday morning when we broke up. we put a couple of people in the other breakout group, and then uh I don't remember well there were three of us. Two of us did it, then the third missed it. Uh, even though he went third, um, but uh, yeah, yeah and, and you know, it, it, at least I tried it. Um I okay. think it's very, I think it's very valuable. It's something that's very significant to me as I try to reform how I interact with people, because I, I, I myself am guilty of not listening most of the time. But I feel not listened to much of the time. I think this could really. Improve a lot of things, but I don't know that it fits in here. And, uh, let me just so,
2: let, let me just make sure. Let me make sure I've heard you correctly, Robbie. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I, what I heard you say was that you place a really high value on this idea of reflective listening, where uh, when people say something, you repeat back what you heard them say, so that they feel heard and to make sure that you've heard them correctly.
0: And they have like an point. to? That, it. And they have an opportunity to add a clarification before it's done. Yeah.
2: Right. Okay. So the first point is that so that that, and it's not just repeating back and forth. It's engaging in this uh, reflective dialogue. Yeah. Or active listening, really, is the, the technical term, right? Where they hear what they okay. say, and then they people can clarify it. So you keep going back and forth until until the the, the person feels really heard, and the other side feels like they really understand.
0: I think just one cycle and the in the Gary Sweeten's uh listening for heaven's sake he says if you can just summarize it sounds like you feel this because of this that's enough and I think if I can just incorporate that so that's what I was aiming for so just one sentence okay but so, he's back yep
2: okay so the so okay so there's this general concept of active listening and yep. you're asking for more than one cycle. So that's kind of my point I was going to make is that, well, if you get it wrong, you have to keep going until you get it right. And so, but it sounds like there's also a specific form. Let's call the general practice active listening. Okay. And that's a high uh-huh. value. I think we all share that value. And then there's a specific form. It sounded like you were trying to get to of where they summarize it as a single sentence.
0: Yeah. For efficiency, is that what you were saying? That, it, yeah. For efficiency sake, in that context, I was trying to model and practice that uh, briefly in a non-obtrusive way to uh, let people experience it, you know, in the hope that yeah. if just okay. wanted them to absorb but they would. You
2: know. Right, and so this interesting to me is that you also said that like you didn't really see that uh, the way you were looking for it in my Thursday night format.
0: I didn't notice Did it. Did I hear that correctly? Story?
2: Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I, because I, I even though you, but you, yeah.
0: I'd heard you describe it in relation to the pitch, and that's what got me thinking about it, but I didn't see it in your Thursday
1: deck. I but, saw but you it.
2: mentioned, yeah.
1: I saw it in when we went into our dyads.
2: Our, yeah, breakout rooms. Breakout and, room, And you mentioned that. You mentioned that, Robbie, right? You said that except for the part where we're praying for each other, but that was the part where we were doing that, which was also, I think, the part that you did it on Thursday mor- on Friday morning was during the breakout room, Right.
0: Well, so was the thing that you see it, where I didn't see it Thursday night was uh those at least as I recall Thursday night somebody presents a prayer request and somebody prays for them which is better than just ignoring but it didn't have the uh a chance to clarify um, part oh, of oh
2: sorry I, I explicitly was in there and you weren't in my breakout room so it may have gotten whipped over so okay. that's hilarious so it oh. was fully my intent and I think Brent got it but you didn't see it.
0: Right. Okay. Uh,
2: which is a, okay. So, good. so we were trying to do the same thing. We just didn't notice it. I think the one thing that you did explicitly that you didn't do on you did try you you had on the agenda for Friday morning, which didn't happen. Which I was hoping to do, which also didn't happen. Uh, a, a previous session was the explicitly modeling it for people before they go and do it themselves.
0: Right. And Janice skipped that modeling on Friday morning, even though I put it right. in the card deck. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah I see but, the card. You actually, you actually I have the card in front of me where you did this until they feel heard and understood. I was trying yeah. to reduce it to uh can we go just one cycle of uh of course you and I just did this and we didn't keep it to one cycle. But
2: Right, um, yes. Yeah, so this, this is why I feel like don't get obsessed over the form. And you know, yeah, and this is the thing, like we, we like to model it. I think that's a, I think it almost be like sort of a moment thing is that we have to look for opportunities to model that and hope uh-huh. it becomes part of the culture. And maybe we do a little training session at the very beginning uh, sometime when we have uh, time for it or something. But anyway, yeah, we're modeling yeah. it now. So we're practicing it. So anyway, it's good to know that, so it feels like we're actually pretty convergent on the philosophy. And yeah. it's just a question of tweaking the technique to, uh, to converge to something that's more replicable. Oh, the last thing I wanted to suggest, yeah good the last I want to suggest was um i think I, I do like the idea of having me work with Ross and Tammy because I'm going to meet with them anyway for some other things and okay. see if they're interested in sort of co leading that I, my recommendation to you is that um it's hard to lead it's harder to co lead, so I would think it might be- i would think it would be simpler to ask either my dad or Phil G to um to be the starter for the session, um,
0: What if I asked rather than that, sort of… What if I asked them to talk between themselves and see if either of them would be willing to lead or both of them wanted to try and do it together? And that way… Uh,
2: okay. Would that work? Yeah. I, can, yeah. I, I, I
3: guess the wait. question
2: is, is, if one of them wants to lead this week, could the other one lead the following week? Or okay. did you want to have Kent uh, do it the final week?
0: Um, I had asked Kent earlier, or I think I don't remember if I actually asked him or I just thought about asking him, uh, and I'm open to whether, you know, either way, so I think, uh, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll pitch it first to your uh, dad and stepdad and see if they'd like to do it together or one of them would like to do it this week, or they'd both like to do it, so one of them this week and one next week.
2: Okay, good, so that gives them no pressure. All right, did someone drop yep. off? Yep. Hmm. Go on.
3: Hi, I'm finally here. I got off (laughs) work. God bless
2: you, Janet. You're just in time to close us in prayer. Okay,
3: I can do that, but I wanted to say you guys uh, hi. (laughs) Anyway, just got off.
2: We'll we'll, we'll send you the link in case you want to catch up on what you missed or straighten us up on anything we got wrong.
3: (laughs) Okay. That's fine. That's good. All right. Well, um, shall I close you in prayer then?
0: Please. Please.
3: Do you like that? Uh, just these guys, Anybody else who wants to join me in prayer with more of what's going on or whatever? But <sighs> thank you, Father, that they're able to meet and and uh, get some more clarification on what what uh, what direction to continue to take the project. And thank you for everybody's commitment and uh. Today week uh you're going to see your son soon aren't you? Um uh, yeah but bless you yeah in, in that relationship and uh Bernie with everything you've got going on and thank you father for Robbie and his commitment and amen.
1: Amen. I gotta run you guys. See you later. Take care. All right. Bless so, you.
2: Good bless okay. y'all. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.